You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, America. This is Pete Mecca, your host for A Veteran's Story on AmericasWebRadio.com. Glad you could be with us this morning. Uh, you know, folks, when you watch the History Channel or any kind of war film with uh, actual footage, Someone is behind those cameras. Someone is behind the, the photos being shot. Those are your combat cameramen. And people don't realize how dangerous of job that is. Today, my special guest is Bob LaFoon, Robert LaFoon. He goes by Bob. And Bob was a member of DASPO, or I guess you pronounce it DASPO, D-A-S-P-O, in Vietnam. That it was in the Department of the Army. Special Photographic Office. Very few people know about these guys, but you're going to learn about it today. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, thanks, Pete. All right. Hey, first of all, let's get started with uh, just tell me a little bit about your, your background, uh, your early life, and things like that. Well, currently I live in McDonough, Georgia. Uh, I'm a baby boomer that was born in 1946, and I was born in Washington, D.C., I had one older brother, Tony, who was born in 43. My father was a barber. My mother worked in civil service as a clerk. I've got two fantastic sons, George and, and Joseph, live up in North Georgia. I attended uh, Fork Union Military Academy uh, in Virginia and uh, later on got an associate's degree from Georgia Military College. Uh, I was in the Army Reserves after DASPO and retired from the Army Reserve in 2002 and also retired. I worked for the Civil Service for the Department of the Army, retiring in 2008. Super. Uh, just tell me a little bit about your early childhood and life. Well, early childhood, uh, I went through basically elementary schools in the Congress Heights area of Washington, D.C. Uh, unfortunately, at the age of eight in 1954, our mother died unexpectedly of a cerebral hemorrhage, and my brother and I were separated. My brother ended up going to live with my grandfather in Frederick, Maryland, and I remain with my father. Uh, we got hit with a some more devastation uh, just a couple years later in 1958. My brother was killed in a car accident, and of course after that, my father began having problems. Uh, at this point, I was sent to uh, Fort Union Military Academy in Virginia uh, by my grandfather. And during the summer months, you know, I stayed with my aunts and uncles in Brunswick County, Virginia, and helped raise tobacco. <laughs> okay, uh, that's interesting. Uh, so sorry about your brother. But uh, what about your photography? How, how, tell us about the beginning of your interest in photography. Well, somewhere around the age of 12, uh, after my mother died, my grandfather gave me a camera that was owned by my mother. And my mother was, was a camera buff, and so was my grandfather. Uh, so when I took the camera and went to military school and got interested in photography. And while I was in uh, at, at Fork Union, uh, I joined the the camera club and and kind of enjoyed it and, and took it up as a hobby. And that's pretty much how I started with it. Huh. Okay, now let's get to the military. Early, early military career, and you ended up with DASPO. Is that how you pronounce it, DASPO? Right, DASPO, Department of the Army Special Photo Office. It's, uh, the acronym that's... is DASPO. Yeah. Okay, very well, good. Well, in, in 1964, yeah, in 1964, I joined the Army typical want to see the world 
But I initially ended up in Fort Hood, Texas, and I ended up being an infantryman in the 2nd Armored Division. So in around 1965, after being in for a year, I extended uh, for an additional year so I could reclassify, and then I ended up going to still photography school at Fort Monmouth, uh, New Jersey. Uh, while there, uh, prior to graduation, we were we were always given a, a dream sheet or a wish list, I guess, when you were getting out of your military you know, schools. And they asked for three duty stations uh, stateside and three overseas. So I put in for the, the local areas around Washington, you know, uh, Fort Myers, Fort Lee, and, and those areas. And then on the overseas part, uh, jokingly, I thought I put down Hawaii, uh, Germany, and Korea. And then when I got my orders uh, after finishing school, graduating school, lo and behold, I get uh, orders to go to Fort Chapter, Hawaii, uh, and as a part of the DASPO Pacific, and I figured, oh my gracious, there is a God, Hawaii for the rest of my my, my three years. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess uh, uh, before we go to a break and everything, let me ask you this: going to Hawaii, what what did you, you think about you were going to do when you went to Hawaii? Oh, I thought when I went to Hawaii, I figured, well, I'm going to go down there and shoot various change of command ceremonies, you know, do do the you know, unit training and, and, and those kind of things, you know, within probably Fort Chapter and Schofield Barracks and and just pretty much that that would be it, you know, just, just the local photography with the military bases on Hawaii. Uh, and, but, of course, that was a rude awakening. Uh, maybe some surfing, some girls and stuff like that. Uh, that's it. I thought it was, hey, surfing, you know, good times, whatever. You know, life is good. Life is good. Okay, uh I've only been through Hawaii, well, several times, uh, to and from Vietnam. Never was stationed there. So uh, tell me a little bit about being stationed there. Is it as pretty as you thought it would be? Was it a good duty there? Oh, yeah. Well, the problem is I wasn't there very much. But, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, Hawaii is gorgeous, you know. I ended up going out of uh, out of San Francisco on a troop ship, uh with uh, at, the, at the time, there were some other guys on there. I believe they were in the 1st Infantry Division, and the ship was going to end up going all the way to Vietnam. And, uh, you know, I got off the boat in, in Hawaii and uh, had a sponsor. Uh, that was Spec 4 Kermit H. Yoho, who was, happened to be back in Hawaii. He had just done one of our little rotations in, to Vietnam and came back, and he ended up being my sponsor and picking me up. And there from, went to, uh, to, to, to the unit itself. In Hawaii. Okay. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, your boat trip from California, uh, any sea sickness there, big boy? Well, you're going to laugh. They found out there was only a few of us going to Hawaii, and they, they actually didn't have a whole lot of room on the ship. So, so all of us that were getting off in Pearl Harbor, they put us in the brig of all places. I mean, it wasn't locked up or anything, but you know. They, uh, and, and if you know where the brig is on a boat, it's kind of like at the uh, – at the the front end, if you if you will, I'm not a Navy guy, so you know you have to help me there. But but uh, at the front end, and uh, you talk about bouncing up and down. Ooh. But uh, yeah, there was quite a bit of uh, you know seasickness on there. I, I I managed to hold off, but uh, but it was kind of a rough trip. So you have, you probably hadn't been in army in, in uh, a year yet, and you're already in the brig. Yeah, I'm already in the brig. Didn't do it and didn't do a thing to get there. You know. Yeah, all right. That that's good. Uh, you know, before we go to uh, your your tour in Vietnam, 
I think we'll take an early break. We we had technical difficulty starting out. Uh, we're back okay. on course now, but I believe we're going to go to a break right now, and we'll be back okay. short. Okay? All right. Stand okay, by. Okay, got you, Pete. All right. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the tornadobodydryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Because you're going to hate my guts and keep your bags packed. Another bubble bust. So from that was, I believe, in October. And then Kermit ended up going over on a, on a rotation a little bit before I did. They wanted me to be in Hawaii, do a little shooting stuff there, get 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 everything going. My first rotation came in January of 66, early January 66. And, uh, Kermit was already in country and, 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 uh, so, so that was kind of the start of it. That was the start of my, that was my first rotation in January, early January of 66. And it well, was probably else, the roughest one. Yeah, so where else did you, uh, dispatch to? What other countries in that area? I'm sorry, City. Whatever. What? I didn't catch yeah, on that other, deep. What other in, in Southeast Asia? I guess what are the countries that uh, Daspo covered? Oh well, anything that was in the South Southeast Pacific, uh, you know, that would be a smaller trip between our rotations to Vietnam. Uh, we would we would come back to Hawaii, but we wouldn't stay there long. We would end up going, you know, the Philippines, Okinawa. Uh, these are some of the shoots that I went on: Australia, Thailand. Uh, gosh, where else? That's the one that come to mind right away. But they would be short trips. We would go out and, you know, one day you're shooting the Japanese Airborne and, and, you know, near Tokyo and you come back. So the smaller trips were, were in between the, the, the you know, the uh, three-month tours or trips. All right. And your first rotation was between October and December 65. Uh, no, no. No, between October, October, October to January, I, I was in Hawaii. Oh, okay. uh, primarily there, we were, we were, we were photographing most of the time there of elements of the 25th Infantry Division who was still deploying over to Vietnam. Then in okay. January of 66, that was my beginning of my first 90 day tour. First gotcha. of four okay. 90 day tours in Vietnam. Alright, tell us about your first rotation there. Okay, the first rotation, uh, my baptism of fire was, was, I was with the 1st Infantry Division, uh, Operation Crimp, and 
a day or two later after that was over, it was Operation Buckskin. Those were my first two combat operations. And uh, that, that was the baptism of fire, uh, primarily uh, flying into, I believe it was a company-sized CP or battalion-sized CP on a resupply shopper, snipers, uh, hit the belly of the, the, the UE, grapefruit juice of all things, because it was a resupply shopper all over the place. So that was kind of the start of it. And then uh, the follow-on operations were, I, I did Operation Van Buren with the 101st Airborne. Uh, that was an interesting one. And then right after that, uh, I went out with the Blue Dragon Brigade, the, the Republic of Korea Blue Dragon Brigade, which was, I believe, a brigade of the White Horse Division. And that was when I did hook up with Yoho. He was, Yoho was motion picture. And uh, we worked that particular one together. When we got done with there, we went. We came back to our our, our place in, in near Tonsonute to type captions and stuff. Yoho and I were scheduled to go to the 25th uh, Infantry Division right after that. A uh, long story short, uh, Sergeant Ruplinus, hell of a guy, hell of a mentor, like a dad to us, decided he wanted to go with Kermit. He was also a still man and get the get get an idea of what was going on. And they left, and the next day, uh, Kermit was killed. Killed in action. Oh. oh. So that was kind of a, that was the, the, the roughest ordeal probably of them all. Uh, after that, it was, uh, we, we kind of laid low for a few days and, you know, mourned Kermit and everything. And then we went right back out. We, uh, we ended up going up with 101st, uh, on Operation Harrison, uh, Operation Lincoln with the 25th uh, Infantry, 69th Armor. Uh, interesting one with 101st was, that was my first introductory to napalm. When it comes to close, close you can get your hair and nose singed. I mean, you know, hair and your, your eyelids singed. So that was probably it for the first rotation. Okay. Uh, let's stick with this for just a minute. You... You're in combat for the first time, and you're take, taking pictures. You're not shooting guns. You're shooting the camera. What were you armed with? Did you carry a weapon? I carried a forty-five that I never cleaned, so if I ever had to shoot it, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably be better off throwing it at somebody than trying to shoot it. I understand. That, that was bad about Kermit. How many uh, Daspo guys did you lose in Vietnam? We lost, we lost two. We lost Rick Ryan in, in 68, uh, and then we had several wounded, uh, uh, especially during Tet. Luckily, I, I missed Tet. I left in November 67 on my last trip. But yeah, yeah. We, we had quite a few wounded. Yeah, you missed it by a month. Did, but we now, lost two. Yeah, okay. Uh, before we go to the next break, we still got about 10 minutes, so we're going to expand this just a little bit, Bob. You mentioned. Okay. The Republic of Korea, that's South Korean troops, the Marine Blue Dragon Brigade. I heard they were tough guys. Tell me about those uh, Korean Marines. Uh, they, they, I don't know. They, I think they were in a competition with 101st for being, you know, rough and ready. They, they, uh, if, if, if they weren't out, you know, in, you know, chasing Charlie, they were back in a base camp. And I mean, they did, uh, we took quite a few pictures of just their training. I mean, that they go through while they're back in base camp. But uh, yeah, they were they were some pretty. Uh, that was one tough unit. The Blue Dragon Brigade was one tough unit. I heard a lot about them. Uh, 
like I said, before we get to your second rotation, you're in combat for the first time, and you're, man, you're with the 1st infantry Division, uh, the 101st, 25th. Uh, these guys were legendary, and you're, you're with some real heroes there. And what you did in Vietnam with the camera, I consider you a hero too, but tell us a little bit about those infantry divisions. How, how did they accept you? Uh, uh, right away as a, a combat photographer. Well, yeah, I mean, at, at first you get it. You know, we we would go out to a unit, and at first they'd be kind of leery, but then then they would realize, oh, these are army photographers. So you know, they took care of us like like we were brothers. I mean, everywhere we went, you know, we we didn't we didn't want for anything. If, you know, a lot of times we might slip into a place and we didn't carry enough sea rations or or, or whatever. Because uh, we'd land on a helicopter, a lot of times they'd already be out in the field for a few days when we would we would fly in, and we would be out there if we needed water, food, whatever. Uh, you know, they took care of us. Wow! God bless them all. Every unit I ever went with, I never had a problem with 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 they 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 were our brothers and and we were their brothers. Uh, that's the way it should be. I, I find it interesting that you mentioned. Uh, the infantry units found out, oh, these guys are Army. Uh, let's clarify uh, for the listeners. The Army had a photographic unit, but then you had your civilian reporters and photographers that were there, not only from America, but from other countries. And I, oh, don't, yeah. think, I don't think they were sometimes accepted or trusted uh, by the troops, but yet when they found out you guys were Army, I think it was a different kind of... Uh, uh, a picture, right? Yeah, not not with all of them. I think after you know, as as especially as the war progressed, there there were there were a lot of good you know commercial photographers, media out there, uh, and you know where 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 you would wonder sometimes. It's like you know, well, why are they reporting that? You know, and it's it's. Uh, I think as the war got worse, things got worse media wise that way. But you know. There, there were yeah. there were some good. They were some bad. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say they were all you know that way, but uh, yeah. there there was a few incidents that uh, that were, were shocking. Yeah, I, I do remember that that time and that era in our country and in Vietnam. Uh, some of the reporting started getting a little bit uh, shady. Let's just say that uh, I, I think that it was inaccurate. And then instead of reporting. The good that was being done, they started uh, harping on the bad part. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. All right. Well, uh, a lot of the good that we did, that, that that our units did, when they did medcap missions, when they did all kinds of stuff for for like the local population of villages, sick calls, food, all kinds of stuff. You didn't see that very much from, from what I remember. You know, from coming from the the these. A civilian side of the press, you know, I mean, it was it was all well. This happened, it's bad. That happened, whatever. But uh, our, our guys did some wonderful things to try to help the local villagers and local people when it came to to you know medical stuff and everything else. Yeah, I know they did. Uh, I also remember we all remember the Malai massacre and uh, what happened there. Uh, but uh, and that was horrible. It was a horrible situation. But people yeah. don't realize that that massacre by Lieutenant Kelly and some of his troops, uh, it was stopped by Army yeah. helicopter pilot. He landed yes, right in the middle. 
Yeah. And he got between the, the uh, Lieutenant Kelly and his soldiers and said, this stops now. You're not going to do this. And yeah. they, they threatened his life, but he stood his ground. And that's what stopped the massacre. So uh, there's good and bad in all war, always has been. That's why we try to avoid, um, I guess, going to war. And like we were discussing before the show, I think in a war, when our boys are sent to fight their boys, uh, or women these days, no matter where you go, go for the head of the snake. Find, oh, yeah, the leadership, yeah. find the leadership, cut it off, and bring our boys home. Uh, I don't know about you, Bob, but, I, you know, this protracted warfare where we send our troops to different places and they're there for years on end, I don't think we're made for that. I think we like to fight wars like uh, we play a football game. You take the field, you kick butt, and then you go home. What do you say? Yeah, that's no. I, I agree. It's it's like you know, you go in. Here's your mission. When your mission's complete, you come home. Yeah. And and, and let me let me just jump on the Milai thing. The, the problem that, that I always had with Milai uh, was was it it put a stigma on a, a lot of us Vietnam vets where we looked at as baby killers. This this kind of stuff and everything that went on. And and there's what what. What people need to know, there were 2.7 million military personnel that served in Vietnam. The problem is, is, is a lot of times you get judged by what 48, 49. I don't know how many were involved in that me life thing in total, and and all of all of a sudden the stigma goes on to the 2.7 million that served, and 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 99.99 percent served honorably, did what they were supposed to do, and came home. And if I ever had PTSD from something that was bad, it would be from the treatment coming home. Yeah, I, I agree there. Uh, I do make this um, speech several times when I make presentations that we came home as baby killers. And through the years, we, we've gone through like a metamorphosis where all of a sudden people are calling us heroes. And I keep telling people we were not baby killers and we were not heroes. We were just another generation that was called to do our duty, and we did the best we could under the, 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 the rules of engagement where uh, we were restricted by what we could do. We had uh, rules of engagement, and our enemy could do anything they wanted, and they followed no rules of engagement whatsoever. And sure. you, know, you know, Robert, we were fighting one hand behind our back. Uh, That's it. Okay. Uh I believe the station manager might be with us now. We're going to go try to go to a break. But uh, once again, if we don't have the break, that'll give us more time, buddy. Okay? You got it. No problem. All right. Let's try to go to break. And, if your health insurance uh, we'll, premium we'll, we'll, is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 
and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move, Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Okay, when I came back from the first one, uh, nine days later I got married. I'm sorry, no, it's a little bit more than that. It might have been, it was April 30th, I better remember that. 66, I got married. Nine days after I got married, I was sent to Japan for 45 days. Okay. And that we were, we were doing various things in Japan, everything from the Japanese paratrooper unit to, to Sasebo, Japan, where they were making a floatable, uh, uh, piers to take to, uh, I believe they were going into, uh, Cameron Bay. Uh, so we were doing support stuff in other countries where, where they were building or doing things to, to go to Vietnam. So we, we did a lot of the support structure. Same thing uh, in a couple other ones, Okinawa and a couple other places. Came back from there. Uh, I think oh, we wait. did. Hold on. Let's go back just a minute. Uh, you okay. were in Japan. What did you think of Japan and the Japanese people? Oh, Loved it. I mean, I had, I had, I, I, I loved it. I, it was, it was great. That was probably one of the nicer <laughs> TDY trips, needless to say. You know, for forty-five days, Japan was great. I'm treated great. Uh, enjoyed it. And the people just everywhere we went treated us great. I never had a problem at all. Wow, great, great. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Japan. My guest last week was stationed there. Married a Japanese lady, a beautiful lady. We got mm-hmm. two beautiful children. That's Jeff Johnson. He's an expert on the uh, plane invasion of Japan, and wow. he absolutely, he absolutely uh, fell in love with the Japanese people and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the country itself. Okay, oh, yeah. you, came from, you came back from Japan and carry on. What'd you do? Well, we did a little bit of shooting around Hawaii, not much, and then. Uh the next, the second rotation, I ended up going over uh, in July of '66 through September of '66 on the second team uh, rotation. Uh, this this particular one wasn't as bad as my first rotation, uh, combat wise. It wasn't wasn't quite as much. Uh, we did a lot of combat uh, shooting of combat support units and combat service support units. Uh, did end up going out with the, uh, the the 11th ACR and the the 173rd on Operation Toledo, and uh, and the first Cav did Operation Paul Revere, uh, and I spent my 20th birthday with the 173rd Airborne on Operation Toledo. So that was August 31st. Uh, then there was uh, yeah, Bob. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, the second rotation wasn't as bad as the first, so you just were in. I guess heavy combat during your first rotation, right? Yeah, the first and the fourth one was were pretty heavy. The 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 two in the middle weren't weren't near as bad. Okay, all right. Well, I take it back. I take that back. I'm, I'm sitting here remembering that the third rotation was was Operation Cedar Falls. That was ooh, that was a good one. But anyway, oh, yeah. go ahead. Pete. Well, 
I guess people just don't realize uh, what it was like to be in combat in Vietnam, what our guys went through and everything. And you're, you're, you're there taking photos of this. You were on your first rotation. You were about, what, 19 years old? Yes. 19 years old. And mm-hmm. you and I were about the same age when we got there. Uh, right. We're young men in a no-win situation. Um, what, what, what were your feelings when you first got into combat? You saw what was going on. You saw some really bad things, I'm sure. At 19 years old, what were your thoughts about war? Well, you got to understand, here I thought I was going to be in Hawaii, and I ended up uh, over there, and, and, it, and it was like, that's like, what the hell did I get myself into? But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a shock. There was your adrenaline flowing quite a bit. But uh, uh, I just, I don't even have any words for it, to tell you the truth. I mean, you know, you just go do what you got to do, and, and you, you, you try to forget the bad or whatever and, and uh, you know, and, and get over stuff, which you know, a lot of us don't. But uh, it, it was, it was the, especially the first rotation, and losing Kermit was, was, was a real bummer. Yeah, and uh, you, you gained a healthy respect for Napalm. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, now after your second rotation... Uh, you came back to Hawaii. Where did you go after your second rotation? Uh, the second rotation, I believe, I'm trying to get the dates right. I think when I came back uh, on the second rotation, it was like September of 66. And that is when, uh, right after that, is when President Johnson went on a uh, Southeast Asia tour, I guess trying to drum, drum up support for the Vietnam War. So uh, a bunch of us, uh, we, we, what would you call it, leapfrogged uh, teams as he traveled from one country to the other. Uh, that was probably a, a highlight. It's kind of weird. One day you're, you know, you come back from uh, from your second rotation in Vietnam. The next thing you know, you got civilian clothes on and you're following President Johnson around. That wow. particular one, I that particular one, I ended up going uh, first Australia. Boy, that was culture shock for me after everything else. That was cool. And then uh, well, and then from there, I went to Thailand. Shock. Yeah, explain that culture shock in Australia. T- tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I got to Australia, uh, again, that would have been, I'm pretty sure it was, was October, whenever that uh, presidential thing was. And yeah. the people were great. I mean, it, you know, it's like... I guess they they weren't used to seeing Americans or whatever. And every place I went, they treated me fantastic. I mean, if the, I went into a, to Canberra, and uh, Canberra, from what I remember, at one point in time, they didn't have like local pubs in Canberra. They had clubs, and uh, and uh, a funny one there. You know, I asked one of the the drivers that was driving the press around. I said, "Hey, man, you know, where can somebody?" He said, "Oh, we got all these private clubs here. Uh, you know, just come down to the East Side Soccer Club." And I'm the sergeant of arms. If you want to come down here tonight, I'll get you in there. Whatever. Well, I went in there. If I ever reached my for my for my wallet to to, to, to buy a drink, somebody grabbed my wrist and said, "No, not here, not here." Mm-mm. And uh, wow. ended up having ended up having breakfast at, at one of the guys' houses. Got his wife out of bed to, so she could come down and meet these Americans. So it was crazy. It was just wow. Now that's that's something that most folks haven't heard about. That is. Uh, that is our ally, Australia. I love those people there. And then you, oh, by the way, how close were you to President Johnson? 
close enough that a uh, uh, Secret Service guy, I was he was walking towards us, and, and I was walking backwards t- trying to shoot. And I guess President Johnson was walking a little bit faster than I was backing up, and a Secret Service guy just about knocked me on my ass, but I managed to 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 get get stay on my feet and kind of move away, get out of the way. So very close. Okay, very. I would good. say and probably within ten, ten, twelve feet. Okay, and then you went from Australia to one of my favorite countries, Thailand. Tell us about Thailand. Uh, Thailand was, was, was again, it was great. I mean, we were, we, even though we were, we were, uh, military photographers, we were all in civilian clothes. We were looked at as the press. So everywhere we went, we were treated like royalty. Uh, Thailand, I think, I think I went over to Karat and we did, we did a, we did some side shoots in there and, uh, and, uh, then came on back. And bear in mind, our other team members were, were, we had teams at the same time who had gone to New Zealand, Indonesia, the Philippines, I think Korea. And as Johnson would go from one place to the other, that's how we would work it. We would leapfrog. It would give us teams time to set up between, you know, here and there so, so we could get all the equipment and everything in. Well, the Navy advertised, you know, join the Navy and see the world. You joined the Army, you pretty well saw everything in Southeast Asia, did you? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, most of it was Vietnam, but it was, it was, <laughs> I was, I was lucky though. I mean, that's, and, and I want everybody to know that, that, you know, we were also very lucky, our, our unit, you know, we, we were able to come out of the field once in a while, get three hots and a cot as the saying goes or whatever. Uh, so we, we were lucky that way too. I understand that. I, I did love talent. I was up at, uh, the Combs were known for 18 months before going over to Vietnam, mm-hmm. interdicting mm-hmm. Ho Chi Minh Trail. Uh, the Thai people were good people. Uh, they are pretty people, uh, very, very uh, congenial people, very friendly. And uh, it was one of my favorite uh, places. Hu Yang Sui Mok, that's about the only Asian language I ever learned was Thai. But okay, mm-hmm. my friend from Thailand, let's get into your third rotation into Vietnam. This is your third trip to Vietnam. Tell us about that. Okay, the third one I, I went over, I believe was got there. I think was in country uh, January, about the second or third, or wasn't the first, second or third of January of '67, and was there until April of '67, early April '67. Most of January I spent with the, the 25th ID and with two of their units, what's called a three-quarter cav regiment and the fifth mechanized infantry, and we did a lot of photo shoots with them. Uh, uh, during Operation Cedar Falls. And I, I don't know if folks have probably heard of the Coochie Tunnels. And, you know, we ended up uh, finding some parts of the Coochie Tunnels. Uh, ended up climbing down in one of those. That was a real thrill. Oh, really? You were a temporary mm. tunnel rat? Huh? So you were you were a TBY tunnel rat, basically, right? Uh, no, I just went in there and got a few shots and got the hell out. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> and... And I'm not small. I'm, I was I'm, back then. I was six foot four. Luckily, I was skinny as a rail. Uh, that's oh, going to hell too. But, how in uh, the world was, did you get? How'd you get to a tunnel at six foot four? Uh, it was very, very, very tight. Uh, and and coming back out, if I remember, they had to literally pull me through to get me back out. There's <laughs> a there, there's a guy that uh, that I'm in touch with to this day that I photographed in there. His name is Ron Payne. He lives over here in Snellville, Georgia. 
And if uh, if you go in and you look up Ronald Payne Tunnel Rat or whatever, you can on on you know Google him or anything like that. Uh, there was a character, and uh, we're, we're still in touch after all of these years. And and uh, he's 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 got all kinds of awards and everything else. And uh, he was uh, he was crazy for tunnels. And uh, and uh, I didn't ask him. There was, from what I understand, there was another correspondent that uh, that talked to him and it said, you know, what is you got? What is your thrill about the tunnels? And Ron was quoted as saying, "Hell, it was the only damn place that was cool in Vietnam." So. <laughs> Hey, he's right. He's right. I guess. Well, it was cool down there. You admit it. It's, I messed up one job because they had condensation either on the film or on the lens. But, uh, but yeah. But uh, he, he's a character. He's a good guy. One of my I'm, heroes. Tunnel uh, rat. I need to get in touch with him and, and have him on the show. I think. He's oh yeah. No yeah. Idea, no idea yeah, what uh, the rats went through. Yeah, he's in there on Facebook too. It's Ronald uh, Ronald Payne. A lot of people, unfortunately, there was a Ronald Payne that was killed in action, uh, and oh. the two of them get kind of screwed up on stuff, but that's Ronald Payne. He was with the 25th Infantry. He was with the uh, 5th Mechanized uh, Infantry. So, right. Yeah, I have to talk to you. Okay. Uh, you also photograph elements of the, the first cab during another operation. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was uh, that was Operation Thayer, too. We were up in the uh, Anlo Valley, uh, and... We initially went in. We, we, we were getting fired. We, the I, I think it was a battalion CP. I'm not sure, but anyway, we were in the valley. And there, we were all getting fired at from here, there, this, that, and the other. We went up uh, the side of a mountain on a, on a search and destroy, and ran across the, uh, some some VC. And I think one of them was actually a correspondent that were hidden in the caves up there, and yeah. and got them out. So that that was kind of that one. Uh, that was yeah. That was with the first cabin in Low Valley. That was Operation Thayer too. Okay. And, and the, the time I was doing that, we had one of our other guys was is, is if you look him up, is his, his uh, we call Harry the Horse. I call him was was Howard Breedlove, and uh, Harry was was over with another unit, and he shot a photograph uh, that. Uh, some of some of the first cab guys, I think it was the ninth cab, the first cab that were exiting a helicopter, like on the top of a mountain. One guy's standing on a skid, one guy's down, and that ended up being the commemorative stamp for for the Vietnam War. Wow! So, yeah, he shot the commemorative stamp. So we had, some, and, and he was one were, of my mentors. I bet you you were with also the eleventh Armored Cavalry, right? The eleventh. Uh, uh, in Operation Junction City, that was a tough one too. Yeah, that was yeah that was that was quite a uh, quite a deal there. Uh, I guess that particular one, the memory comes in is is we were we were in a really thick jungle area and we got we got kind of a couple of the M48s got stuff going up between the sprockets and everything else and we were at a, we were at a standstill. So <clears throat> while they were trying to get everything cleared away or get the tanks back to back out. Uh, they sent out sent out some uh, so- soldiers. Uh, I don't know if it was a couple squads uh, out front to, to, to make sure that nothing was happening. And sure enough, there was some VC that that were coming. Uh, I guess they heard the noise and everything. We're heading our way, but uh, uh, it, it didn't work out too good for the VC because our guys came back, said what was going on, and they they just decimated the area that they were. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, it was a mess. Not on our part, the VC part. 
Right, and after uh, Operation Johnson City, let's move into March of 67. Uh, March of 67, Junction City, I'm trying to think who I was with. Some kind of an armored evaluation story or something like that, right? Oh, 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 yeah. We were doing it at the same time. That might have been why we were on Junction City, too, or, or with the 11th ACR. We were... We were tasked by by uh, DA to to do an armor evaluation story. We, they wanted they wanted to see how how the the you know AP the armor personnel carriers the M48s and the rest of the stuff were doing throughout Vietnam. So you know it's like uh, you, you know you had you had elements up in Play Coup that might be in one situation. You had elements down you know in in I Corps that might be in another situation. So. We all kind of bounced around and went out with a lot of armored units just to take photographs and, and, and show what, what what they were up against. So that was part of the, probably part of that deal, if I remember right. You got to bear with me. A lot of the stuff I just don't you know don't remember the details that much. The, 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 the other thing that we did during the third rotation is we started going out to the to the uh, alpha detachments that belong to the special forces, you know, throughout the country. You there? Well, yeah, what'd you think of Special Forces? Man, I tell you what, those those guys are unbelievable. You know, they'd be in a camp in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you know, surrounded by concertina wire, claymores, trip flares, and everything else. It's like, when you went in there, uh, a lot of them did, uh, a couple of them that I went to was, was uh, I, can't, I don't know if I can say it right, Tri-Trung tri, tri Sup, which... Uh, they, they, they were training the CIDG folks, the, yeah. the South, South Vietnamese CIDG folks, you know, how to use various weapons and everything else. Wow. Uh, oh, uh, Bob, we're going to try to go to our last break. Uh, uh, I think maybe something's ready. So let's try to go to the last break, and I'll be right back with you, okay? Okay, bye. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, I think we're back, Bob. Uh, you and I are going to have to assume there was a commercial there. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, after you came back from your third rotation, where did you go and then take us into your last rotation, your fourth trip to Vietnam? Uh, the third rotation, I believe I went to... Uh, between between the, the, the third and the fourth, I went to Okinawa, and oh. we did. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm gonna, 
probably wish I had all my stuff in front of me like I should have done, but I didn't. But anyway, on Okinawa, they we went in there and did a variety of things with the training and support structure for Vietnam. Uh, there was a huge warehouse complex in Okinawa where everything was basically put in there, and it was like a combat support, uh, service support place for, for quartermaster or whatever. And then supplies would go out of there, you know, to the various elements, uh, you know, throughout throughout the, the corps of Vietnam. Uh, that was one shoot. We went on another shoot. The the uh, special forces had a training uh, base in Okinawa, and they were bringing bringing special forces folks back from Vietnam, and probably some coming in from the states. I really don't remember or know. And they were teaching them how to do halo, you know, high altitude, low opening jumps, and also teaching them how to do, uh, you know, work with scuba gear and, you know, going off the side. That that was very interesting. That was that was something else. And that was that was the primary one that I remember. And we were we were in Okinawa for for quite a bit of time. That was that was pretty that was probably pretty much most of it. Wow! All right, between the trips takes into your fourth rotation to Vietnam. All right, the last rotation I did in the team rotation I did was was August of uh, 67 through November of 67. Uh, I don't have any particular order. I know we we did uh, Task Force Oregon with the 4th Infantry Division. Uh was out with the 502nd and 101st Airborne in Operation Cook. Uh, did a photo shoot uh, when, with the, uh, when uh, General Westmoreland was, was doing the arrival of the Thailand sent a the Queen's Cobra Brigade over, and we did a photo shoot of them arriving. And then one of the more interesting ones I did, I went out with the Ninth Infantry Division's Riverines, uh, and that was that was something else. The that was a good water, one. That was the Blackwater yeah. Navy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the we had, if I remember right, we had they had two troop ships that were in, were, were I guess it was in the Mekong. River, I'm not sure. I'd have to go yeah. back and look at captions to remember it. And you literally had, I think, a brigade-sized element on those two ships that they literally lived on them. And then mm-hmm. beside the ships, they had they had like piers that went out that were attached to the ship. And then the way these guys would work, it they I believe they used to call them LCMs, landing craft medium. And that was like if you if you go back to the World War II days and you saw the guys come up and hit the beach with the ramp coming down, if that would be a good way to explain what they look like. Well, they made monitors out of these things where they had uh, like a 40-millimeter cannon and a couple 30-caliber machine guns, and you would put a squad on there, and these guys would, would get off the, the troop ship in the morning, go down there, fire these babies up, and go head up river all over the place and, and to a particular place that – you know, then pull in and drop the ramps and more or less attack it or, or, or go go up in country or, you know, in, inland and everything else. And it was quite a routine of what they did and, and how they did it. But uh, that was kind of, that was kind of, kind of neat the way it was done. But that was yeah. the, the, the Ninth Infantry Division River Reeds. So that, that was a good one. Okay. And then the highlight, I guess, of that one was the, the, the operation that I was waiting for. And that was operation with the 199th Light Infantry, and that was my last operation. That was Operation Rangdong, and that was in November. We did a, a, a helicopter assault out of Cat Lai, and uh, 
I guess one of the interesting things there was was I was sitting in the center of, of a slick. You know, everybody jumps out of the out of the UEs, right? And then uh, I'm about to get out, and then the pilot just starts to pull up, and it was kind of like, do I jump or don't I? Well, I did, and it was a rice paddy down there that was full of, uh, you can guess what. Yeah. And muck and everything else, and I got Total. stuck. <laughs> but anyway, I, I got stuck. And I can, I mean, my legs were probably up to the knees, just suck, suck, and went, you know. Anyway, uh, I had to, that's the one time I had to put my nose down in the, uh, in, in, in the rice paddy, and I did take my, my 45 out, never shot it. I just figured I better take it out. And I had my camera in one hand, 45 in the other, with my nose down in that water, staying as low as I could behind that rice dike. Okay, because about a rice dike is probably about 12, 14 feet apart. Long story short, finally they finally got me out of there, and I I felt something. I thought it was a leech that was hitting me above my 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 jungle boot, and it, it wasn't. It was a punji stick that had come up through my boot laces. Ooh. Luckily, it didn't go through my foot. It went up through the boot laces and was was tickling me or poking me, and uh, so that was and that was kind of a a nasty little. Uh, jaunt through the the rice paddies, but that was my last combat operation. Yeah, uh, one, one other thing I got I, I got to give my guys credit for. I got luckily I was very lucky to get that one because my two fellow photographers got the short straw. They ended up going at the same time I was there. They were with 173rd Airborne up on Hill 875. Oh. And I, I cried to think what they went through. Because, well, I know I know what they went through because I saw the footage, okay, yes. and everything else. But they uh, they ended up on Hill Eight Seven Five. Luckily, wow. they both survived. Yeah, thank God, thank God. For our listeners, I'll explain what a punji stake was. Something a lot of people may not know. It's just a sharpened bamboo stake that they put in the ground. Sometimes they would uh, dip them in poison or human excrement. Uh, and those little punji stakes could knock a guy out uh, of service. And you're very lucky that that didn't penetrate your foot, my friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very, especially, especially on my last trip. Not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After four rotations, you finally get on your last mission. That's pretty bad. Uh, well, the yeah, funny thing about that, funny thing about that rotation, the whole time that, that I was out there, too, I was I was digressing and thinking back to Kermit Yoho because when Yoho was killed with the uh, the, the Wolfhounds of the 25th Infantry Division, that was going to be his last photo shoot, and he was going to come home, return, and join the newspaper which he had before at at uh, at uh, Moundsville, uh, West Virginia. So oh. that thought went through my mind big time. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. Uh, a lot of horror stories about the guy's last day in Vietnam. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. When you were uh, KIA. Uh, mm -hmm. When you were with the River Rings, by the way, I interviewed a guy that was stationed on one of those ships in the Mekong Delta. And uh -huh. he took his amphibious uh, craft on missions and things like that. That's, that's I need to have him on, too. That's a, a part of the war that people didn't know about. Now, you traveled all over Vietnam. Oh, yeah. You went with a lot of divisions. Uh, you are a rare bird because I could interview like a marine that was up in case signing i corps and uh -huh. i would talk to him about what happened in four corps and he would say what's four corps okay oh, yeah. yeah most of the men there were, were zeroed in 
on Anlock or Coochie or, or site, wherever they were, that was their whole world. They didn't know what was going on in I-Core, II-Core, III-Core, IV-Core, just no. where they were. So you're a rare bird there, Bob. You got you got around quite a bit, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right, now let's, uh, let's get into this real briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have to cut up here in a couple minutes. But after your separation from the Army, uh, briefly, what did you do there, big guy? Uh, after I left the Army, uh, I, I went back to... Uh, to uh, well, Wanamassa, New Jersey. Uh, I had met my wife when I was going to photo school at Fort Monmouth, and so elected to return there. Uh, you know, after my discharge, and uh, I, there was if, to, to try to get a photo job. You know, I would have had to basically go back to Vietnam. I, I think UPI said, "Hey, you want to you, you want a job? Yeah, well, you got to go to Vietnam." I said, "Nah, that's done. You know more of that." So. Trying to get a good photo job doing what I was doing was 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 hard to do. But I ended up working for a Firestone dealership for a while. I worked at uh, ended up going back to 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 my home state in Virginia and worked for the city of Richmond for a while. Uh, went to work for Amtrak for a while, and so I jumped around. Worked at the post office in your neck of the woods in Conyers for a couple of years, and then eventually, I after 17 year break in service. Uh, I don't know. Well, I wanted to get my education completed, some more education. And after a 17-year break in service in August of 1985, I joined the Army Reserves, of all things. Probably the oldest, probably the oldest spec four in the Army at that time, because I had taken, but it was the smartest thing I ever did. Uh, 1988, I went on active duty for six months to assist with a, a, a military intelligence project. Okay, and, hey, Bob, and after Bob, that, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to cut you off here. Uh, I know okay. you went to uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. You retired from the reserves in 2002, retired from Silver Service as a GS-13 in August 2008. My friend, uh-huh. this has been a great, great interview. Uh, this is something people just didn't know about. Uh, thank you so much, okay? And, hey, thank you, Pete. Uh, yes, sir. I will call you shortly. Uh, folks, we're out of time. Join us next week. I have a fantastic guest. Uh, he is the Ernie Powell of Vietnam, the award-winning correspondent Joe Galloway. Uh, he was the only reporter at the Idrain Valley with Colonel Hal Moore. Uh, his character was featured in uh, the film, We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. Joe Galloway. It'll be an outstanding interview. Uh, until next Wednesday, goodbye, America. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.